Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, joined today by special guest, Cubs historian and columnist for The Athletic, John Greenberg. John, how are you? I'm good, man. What's happening? Did you talk to Ed Hartig for your uh, your piece on the 03 Cubs? No, I, I left him alone to deal with uh, Jordan Bastion's many questions of when's the last time the Cubs have been, you know, had like this many hits and this many innings. So, no, I just, I kind of just, you know, started contacting guys and just, uh, just kind of did it all on my own. Really bootstrapped it. You worked on it for a long time, right? Like started at like the Cubs yeah. convention time and then worked on it. No, I, I kind of came up with it like around spring training. Okay. But I think I started talking to guys like after the season had started, I, I started with like probably like Blanville or something, you know, someone super easy to get in touch with. And then I looked at the schedule and saw that like Pryor and Dusty weren't really in town much. It, it, they were in town really early in the season. And that would be the only time I could really get them. So I got Dusty. It, it like, you know, I was, it, it, he gets asked this everywhere it goes. You know, people want time with them because, you know, just listen to Dusty talk. So it actually was some finagling to get it. And it was kind of a, wasn't the best interview in the world because he's all over the place, you know. I mean, Dusty does. Dusty answer you can ask dusty anything you have no idea what he's going to answer because his mind is 17 different places prior was interesting because i went up to him and like the pr guy had mentioned it and he said he'd be willing to do it and i went up to him in the clubhouse and he was like hey how about tomorrow at like 10 or something like yeah it's great so i come back but then i remember the clubhouse didn't open till like 10 45 and so i texted the pr guy like you know so he just didn't want to meet in like dugout or something so i just went and waited in the dugout never heard back Go in the clubhouse when it opens, and Pryor's like, "Where were you?" I'm kind of annoyed, and I was like, "Why?" Well, you know, message the guy it wasn't open, and everyone felt really bad. And Pryor actually called me like a day or two later from Pittsburgh and talked to me for like an hour. Wow. And he was he was like, "Wow, this is so much better than we would have been so rushed. This is really great." And he was like, "So could not have been like more open to talking." And that yeah, so that was like in April or May, and it went on really. I think the last person I talked to was. 
funny enough, Carrie Wood, who like has nothing else to do and is like works here, but it just took forever to get a hold of him. And then he was great. He was so good and like really funny. Yeah. And like everyone was just, you know, people were like, I never got in touch with Alou. I never got in touch with Alex Gonzalez. I think Alou was, I remember he talked to Caps thing, his 2013 documentary. And I think Caps said he basically like, because they had a relationship, he did it, but otherwise he didn't want yeah. to. Alex Gonzalez, I don't think would be like, oh, let me get to this. Let me get this. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, good. I've been dying to talk about how yeah. Steve Bartman got me off the hook. Bartman um, didn't want to talk. No, but I see you got to quote his his off quoted statement. Yeah, so you know what I did? I I knew what his um, I guess a lot of Notre Dame alums use their Notre Dame alum email, which mm. doesn't surprise me. So yeah, they can right. all like backslap yeah. each other. Um. I shouldn't probably say this, but I, I basically I found his email. I got his email and I emailed him directly because I emailed Frank that Frank Murtha guy first, and he didn't get back to me because he's probably fucking tired of getting back to people after twenty years. Yeah. Of this hey, will Steve talk? Uh, <laughs> Is he finally so, ready to break his silence? Yeah. Um, so I sent him like a really like like nice email. You know what I mean? Like I sent him links to stories I've written. You know, they're about sensitive subjects, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, just sending my... links to times you've been on this podcast. Right. Times I've been on this podcast. All the he's podcasts, a big fan. Right? I could have given you yeah. his. I could patch him in right now if you want. <laughs> he probably was a big fan. Probably was. Right? Like, you were like one of the first blogs of the Cubs. Yeah. You know, he probably was like, it'd be funny if he still is. But anyway, Mirtha then got back to me and was like, Steve, you know, liked your, liked your stories. You know, obviously he's not going to talk, you know. And he's like, hey, how'd you get that email? And I'm like, mm. not replying to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that would have been great. I offered him Barnaby's Pizza in Northbrook, which is a classic pizza place. Yeah. Is a, you know, hey, we'll go out to Barnaby's. I'm sure that was better than like the millions of dollars he's been offered to talk. Yeah. You know, the, the, the $12 Barnaby's Pizza was really, I thought, going to do it. Uh, was there anybody, well, I mean, I guess you mentioned it, you couldn't get a Lou, you couldn't get Alice Gonzalez. Was there anybody that you, um, that surprised you you couldn't get? Oh, yeah, you know there's a funny one I couldn't get? So I was talking to one of the, the guy who, um, Quick Rick, Rick Fuchs, who does the scoreboard. He's the guy that does the scoreboard mm-hmm. of the Wrigley Balls and Strikes guy. And I was talking about the story, and he's like, hey, I remember the, the carpenter's name who was building the stage Oh, gonna, that they were going to yeah. do. And he had to get rid of it real quick. And I was like, that would be an awesome yeah. anecdote. And I put you guys' name and number. And I called him, and he called me back once. And then I kept calling him, and he never called me back again. So that would have been like, is that a meaningful? It would have probably got cut. Yeah, probably. Unless he had some really great story about it. But I thought that would have been kind of funny. The guy who was building the stage. That's like real Jimmy Breslin stuff. Yeah. The guy building the stage. Because I remember, I didn't use it, but Estes said he went up in the dugout, in the clubhouse during the game and was like, thinking man this is up a little is this up a little early <laughs> like you know i know they do this but like he's like i felt like it was a little early being built but it feels like you hear that story and you know, we heard it about the 86 red Sox, and you've got that right. that stuff has to go up sometime they can't exactly, wait right. until so, there's two outs in the ninth and then they get caught and right, they get all yeah. the crap yeah right that's like one of those things where people that like experiencing it feel it's early but it's got to be done yeah. you can't just scramble to do it um uh, think anyone else i really couldn't get a hold of the only person i think i probably that i contacted there's two people i contacted and contacted me back i never ended up 
calling back. One was Bobby Hill, who is a small college baseball coach in California. Mm. And I realized it's just not going to be that important yeah. to talk to. And um, the other was Damien Miller, who I really should have talked to, but yeah. like he was camping or hunting or something. Of course, of course he was. <laughs> right. Something like that. And it was like, oh, let's talk next week. And then I just, re- I just had so much done already. It's like, I just don't, I got enough Paul Bacco. I don't need Damian Miller. You Paul Bacco get, can be. You can't get enough Paul Bacco. I mean, we talked for like forever. Yeah, Paul Baca, great I'm conversation. Think, wouldn't think DeBoer's all that busy, so I'm sure he was willing to talk. He was walking around New York City where both his kids live. Both his kids are kind of like bohemians in New York City. <laughs> and uh, he and his wife have a place. They live They, they live in, you know, whatever, Lafayette, Louisiana, wherever he's from. And they are all. They have a place in New York City, too. So Paul Baca is a little more cosmopolitan these days than the average ball player who just like lives in a tree stand. Well, I mean, his name is Gabor, for God's sakes. Did you ask right, him about that? So, Why is your name Gabor? How did you, how did you get that name? Why didn't you stick with it? Why did you want to be Paul? We were, we were supposed to meet for coffee uh, when he was here for Pearl Jam, but I just I was busy and didn't couldn't end up calling him. That's when I talked to Kerry Wood, though. Incidentally, it was in between the two Pearl Jam shows. Um, yeah, because you knew he was going to both. Yeah. yeah, you knew he was going to both. I mean, yeah. Well, I was shocked his, he wasn't. That's in his personal services contract with the Cubs. He he, <laughs> he has to attend all the Pearl Jam concerts and within the city limits. I I loved it. I had to use that line in my extra thing about about Eddie Vedder. Oh, he was like, yeah, and he was around a lot in '98, not so much in '99 and 2000. Yeah, and he was the what do you say? He was the Bat Boy in '16, or he's the DH. Yeah, the DH. <laughs> he was DH in the '16. <laughs> um. How many times did Jim Hendry start answers to your questions with, don't print this, but? A lot. Yeah. Many times, including one really, you know, I asked him. He I said, don't print it. He didn't say, don't talk about this on a podcast. Yeah, podcast. He wouldn't be betraying right. anything. Right. So there was, um, Dusty had told me, I, I couldn't, I listened to the audio again. I couldn't end up using this because Dusty, again, is. Too much Miles, the, the Miles Davis in the background was too loud. He couldn't. No, you know what was playing when we were talking? The Weights by the band. Of course. On his, on his Alexa, and then you can hear the audio of him trying to get Alexa to stop. Alexa, stop! <laughs> and then it's like, it's like Alexa, stop. Very funny. So, but they was it was the weight in the band, and I had that in the original story, like that, uh, what that meant. But uh, no, so I Dusty had said like after they lost, he went to a bar near his house, and that's where the Marlins victory party oh, was. God. But like I couldn't get anyone from the Marlins to clarify that where it was. And then it was. I listened again to his tape, and it was kind of confusing what he said. Now I think I know what bar it was because I think it was a bar I used to go to right by where he lived in Eugenie Terrace. But I, I couldn't figure it out. But anyway, I asked Hendry what he did after the game, and that's where he told me, a, "Don't print this. Yeah. Uh, don't print this story of of how he dealt with it." Let's just say he was at the ballpark till like four in the morning. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, he was pretty down. But yeah, everyone I talked to was really great. I mean. For his bat, you know, and that was the point of the story in the oral history. You know, it was going to be a story, and then I made an oral history because I, I really wanted to include some of these people, you know, in their quotes, uh, which still I handed in at like 11,000 words. And we cut yeah. it down to like under five. So a lot got lost. But, you know, these guys, it was for them. I mean, and, and I think we remember it as, yeah, the ending was awful, but it was a great season. I mean, that was like really a, a sea change. And it was, it was a sea change for the organization. We're like, you kind of saw what was possible. Yeah. Oh, I know. There's a uh, 
there's a three-hour Remember This Crap podcast uh, about the 03 Cubs. And it's a, it's a theme throughout is because it ended the way it ended, it's, there's so many cool things that happened that year. Yeah. They're lost. That's what I wanted to see. You know, right. The Farnsworth fight. And yeah. slamming I mean, Wilson into oblivion. And there was an right. ambulance on the field. I forgot about when, that until Kara told he me. When Hesop cracked his head on the foul line, and that was in the that's <laughs> I, in the Roger, Roger Clemens trying to win his three hundred game, taking his yeah. uniform off between every half inning and putting it in a like in a trunk <laughs> because he was going to autograph them. I'm sure he did it when he finally won. He was going to autograph them all and sell them. What a guy! Yeah, I mean that's like, and I forgot about that till Karras told me. You know, Karras is the guy. Yeah. You know, the only reason he's in the game to hit the homer is because he ran into Carrie and lost. And like Karos was, yeah. So that, I mean, that happened. You know, I didn't mention one of the funnier things that happened that year uh, was Mariotti and Tellender almost getting in a fight in the press box that year. (laughs) It was during Cub Sox. And like, that was a class. I just remember people telling me about it. Like I missed it and being like, oh man, you should have saw it. So that was, I mean, there's just so much, you know, I didn't even put in there was a, Alfonseca's assault with a deadly bell with a deadly bell. Right. Because yeah, it didn't it, it was in September and it didn't fit in like kind of the narrative. All a lot of weird stuff happened in June and early July because it was uh Corey Patterson's injury, yep. Sosa, Cork Bat, and Farnsworth's fight were all within like a month, I feel like I put in the story. It was like bang, 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 and the he's and the Eric Caros yeah. and the uh, Clemens. So like all those things happened and that like early part of the summer that really gave the season like this shit happens every day kind of feel well and that yankee series ended it was on sunday night baseball the next night and charles gibson got picked off first base to end to end the game then he had to go coast host uh, good morning america wait that was that was charlie gibson that's a different guy but yeah that was the yankees first time there since the world series right so that was, I remember that in the city. I remember I lived above Stanley's at the time, just seeing Yankees fans like ev- yeah. walk in the streets everywhere, you know, and just the, that excited. But Sosa Cork back thing, I think a lot of people probably forget that happened in 03. So and, I'm, you know, I had more, all this, those guys were like, I want to find out who has a Cork bat still. They, they hinted at me. Someone has. Yeah, you said that. Um, and bats just mysteriously disappeared out of Sammy's locker well, in an adjacent area. Right before the right. MLB it's, it's could confiscate them all. Right. It, it was it was mysterious how like someone just dumped all the took all the bats out, and the the the, the quotes from everyone. I wish I could just play the audio. Are really funny. Just about like I was like, yeah, I don't know what happened to that. That's weird. The like Terry Wood being like, weird. He only had one bat. Like right. that. just that, he, what terrible luck that he at, he somehow <laughs> accidentally picked the one corked bat. That he only used for demonstration purposes in batting practice. <laughs> Harry said that he said sometimes he and Karras will just text each other Sammy quotes. Like I can imagine. You know, guys like just like us, they just text. He said they'll just, we'll just be texting random like Sammy quotes to each other. It is funny though to read that and like Aramis literally talk about how um, coming to the Cubs, he felt like watching Sammy work every day like changed yeah. his work ethic. You know, we, yeah, I think we think of Sammy now as, you know, well, blowing kisses to the camera and all that stuff. But there were clearly players, not not guys like Kerry Wood and Eric Carroll's, but there were players who revered him. 
And, you know, we're, yeah. You know, I mean, Rama said it was him and Moises and watching those two guys, you know, two Dominicans and just two vets that didn't take at bats off. Yeah. Like, you know, and that was kind of the criticism of Aramis in Pittsburgh is that he wasn't always focused. Yeah. You know, and that's why Kerry Wood said both he and Estes were kind of like, yeah, he's good. But I've heard like, you know, guys didn't like him or he's take stuff off. Yeah. Aramis was so I was shocked. I got him kind of because yeah. he is, you know, not as no. He was so happy to talk. I call, I tech, emailed his agent, and Ramos called me within like an hour. I called him within an hour because well, he, he was like just overjoyed to talk about his time with the Cubs. It was like shocking almost. He's, it's ridiculous that he's underrated, but he's a really yeah. underrated – like he shouldn't be an underrated Cub, right? I mean, we watched no. him for 12 years. He was one of their best players every year for 12 years. He was their best clutch player for a lot of that. But there are still people – and a lot of it, I think, is the constant criticism from Bob Brenly about lack of effort and all that stuff. When you find out it was – whether it was Lou or whoever the manager was at the time, Aramis is playing with a bad quad, and they just want him to hit. And they're like, right. if you don't run, don't run. And it's getting right. – you know. He's, uh, I mean, just, yeah, yeah. And it, it was cool just hearing what he, you know, all the stuff he said and like how, how much he loved Chicago. And he said, he told me, he would, I, you know, I asked guys like, what, what did you do when the Cubs won? What were we doing? And it was, none of the stories were great or anything, yeah. but he said, he's like, he's like, I felt like I was on that team when they won. He was celebrating so much. He was so happy. Yeah. And so was, so was Zambrano. Zambrano said he had like a guy, a guy like FaceTiming him from like outside of Wrigley, like yeah. a friend of his from here. So he could see people celebrating, you know, he was, he was loving that, but yeah. Um, so I can say about, and you know, well, like, I mean, Cal Farnsworth said he loved Sosa. He said when he came up, Sosa was like really welcoming to him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, a lot of guys didn't like him, but you know, like Kerry said, begrudgingly, all the, all the winning the Cubs did, you know, while Sosa was here, he obviously had a big part. Of yeah. It. And it just, it, it makes the, shunning just that much weirder still well and the players don't care i really no. don't think like, like yeah does carry would like kind of think he's a jack what do you think he was probably yeah. a little bit of a jack yes of course carry played like, for a was... long time sammy feels like a guy who after a while you'd just be like really is it does it have to be this much all the time but at the same time would, how many games did carry win because sammy hit two home runs and right. and papered over carries six walks so right. I, I, I think a lot of guys actually would like to see him. Yeah. I think I think deep down, I think a lot of guys would. Now, do one guy off the record make fun of him a little bit? Yeah. Of course. But like, you know, but like guys, you know, they. I think Zimbrano might have said he still talks to him a little bit. I don't think Aram, but Aramis is so excited to tell me that he and Moises have places next beach houses yeah, next to each other. He's so he's very proud of that. It's a it's a maybe an unintentional, but probably an intentional flex that they have beach houses next to each other. Yes. Yeah, we know around we know you made a lot of money around us. We know that. Um, um I'm going to make a baseless prediction about uh Cubs convention announcement. And that's that the, the next two inductees into the Utility Tunnel Hall of Fame will be Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez. That's my, You think you're going to skip over Sosa? Yeah. I don't think they have any intention of putting him in. They've, I, and this is the one to do it because they you know, told us they're doing it in like kind of chronological order now. Yeah. This would be the, the time. Is Kerry Wood in the in Utility Hall of Fame yet? Oh, he's probably not. No. So yeah, he's got to. No, go. and he can go in. She, they can put him in and still claim their because you know it. He was. It's got to be. It would have to be him and Sosa. Yeah. Right. That would have to be it. 
him and Sosa. And, you know? and Paul Baco. Um, you know who should go in the utility hall of fame is Hendry. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about those two deals and I, I've talked about a ton and it's not like a secret or anything, but like within a, you know, a few months span, he traded for Ramos Ramirez and Derek Lee and gave away nothing. Yes. Yeah. Those he gave away literally nothing for a first baseman and a third baseman who were franchise players. Yep. And yeah, he, he said, put- he said he thinks the Derek Lee one was his best trade ever. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think him and Aramis are pretty much the same in war for the Cubs. After one's bigger, one's a little more. It might be Aramis because he played longer. Yeah, would have to be because he played longer. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I think Aramis and Derek are destined to go into the utility tunnel together. But you're right. Maybe it's not this. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Wood. So, like, if it's not Sosa this time, it's never going to be. You know, he's never getting the utility hall of fame. Utility tunnel hall of fame. No. Oh God, what a. Gotta what do a stain it. on like, your resume! That's worse than that. Worse than being shunned to the hall of, to the big hall of fame. It's not to get in the utility tunnel hall of fame. That's what that's what every Cub fan now, Cub player is playing for right now. Yeah, I'm sure when Pete, when Pete Crow Armstrong got called up, he said, "This is my first step towards the utility tunnel hall of fame." Well, everyone talks about the blue jacket. Yes. You know, that, oh, that's absolutely. And if you wear that into the, uh, you know, the FanDuel or DraftKings sportsbook, whatever it is, then you get twenty percent off appetizers on Tuesdays. <laughs> yes, on Tuesdays. Four five. That's right. Four five. <laughs> yeah. Five to five to six. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about Hendry, you know, may or may not have been, you know, walking the haunted halls of Wrigley until four a.m. after Game Seven. That's a guy whose entire legacy is completely different if they win that game. If he's the guy who built the team that finally got back to the World Series, because he was a good general manager. I think yeah. people are going to say he didn't. He he had flaws like anybody else, but even, you know, he'd been the farm director before he was the general manager. So he can even take credit for, like, I think he can take credit for Kerry. Maybe he can't. Certainly he can for Pryor. Yeah. Um, plus the guys, and then he built the 04 team, which was a better team, but had a multitude of, it couldn't get out of its own way. Right. And, and then I mean, he built those juggernauts in 07 and 08. Right. Actually, the 08 team was a good team. They just didn't have they didn't Not have a playoff caliber pitching right. staff. They just right. didn't. And when they, they run a dumpster out there in game one, it's, you yeah. don't have a chance. <laughs> well, remember, they expected Fukudome to hit. That's right. And he, and he forgot after, like, April. Yeah. He, was, he was great in April. But that's Part right. Of. I mean, now, if he was playing now, the you know, we'd have Cub fans who were like, yes, but his uh, – he, defensive run saved in right field are so good yeah. that it completely makes yeah. up for the fact that he uh, he can't hit anything but a changeup. <laughs> he would corkscrew himself in the crowd and <laughs> <laughs> every breaking pitch. Um, yeah, no, and, and like Dusty kind of said that too. And I ended up using the quote, but Dusty's like, you know, he's like, think about how different it would be for Jim. He's never, he said he's never got another job, which is like an inaccurate quote because obviously he's got a good job. But yeah. what Dusty meant is he never got another GM job. Yeah. Dusty's like, I've got other jobs. Jim hasn't. Like, think about how different. And the fact that Jim says, Jim doesn't think about it for him. He thinks about it for other guys. Like, he goes, you know, I use that quote, think of how different their lives would have been if they would have been the guys. And everyone said that. Like, some guys legitimately said they were not like, like Estes and Karos and those guys who have no relationship with the Cubs were kind of like, nah, I really wasn't rooting for them that much because we're still pissed off, which I thought was like a very honest. And Baco said it too. Like, I thought it was a very honest quote instead of just bullshitting me yeah 
be like, no, yeah, I actually am still really bitter that we didn't we didn't get it done. Because yeah. Dusty said it too. He's like, I wanted to be the guy. Yeah. I wanted to be the manager that wins it. And like, yeah, you should. Yeah, I mean, Dusty took the Cub job for three reasons. One was when he when the he took the Giants to the World Series, and they're like, okay, we're good. Thanks, Dusty. Yeah. Um, and he kind of lived this. I think he only had one year off before he went to the Reds. He felt like, as an African-American manager, it's easy to get forgotten. So if yeah. you don't sit out a year unless you absolutely have to, you go get another job. So yeah. that was part of it. Part of it was he wanted to be the guy who won the World Series with the Cubs. The other part was he needed to pay the IRS because they had basically seized all of his Mother. assets. Right, his brother had like uh, didn't file his taxes or something. Yeah. It was something like his brother screwed him out of something. I feel like, um, yeah, no, I mean, look, Dusty was the, and he was the hot ticket. Yeah, like as Henry said, that was the, that brought like these. Henry's like didn't do you know we didn't like spend any money because of it because the Tribune company was whatever. Yeah, think about what that year did for attendance though, and the fact that like the next year, remember you had to get my buddy made me get this stupid wristband yep. to get in like get a number to be able to buy single game tickets. Even though it all went to like whatever their their scalping operation, <laughs> but they sold out the season the first day. Yeah, like '04 was like the expectations had ratcheted up to like an uncomfortable degree. Yeah, and, and even then, you know, there were some April games that were really weird. Like they had a game where they had blown the lead, and then Sammy and Moises went hit back to back homers, and Wrigley went nuts like they had just won the world. Like they yeah. actually, it was like it was game eight. And you guys, this is an April game against Pittsburgh. This does not matter. Although it did, because they only missed the playoffs by like a game and a half. Maybe that's what the fans, fans knew it was going to come down to the last day. Like, right. we need this win, guys. Trust me, in September, you're right. going to remember this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so just, I really felt like 03, you know, ESPNs and whatever will just talk about Bartman. So I didn't even put Bartman in the headline. Yeah. It probably cost me a lot of readers. Um, but I felt like it's just unfair to keep putting this guy in there. He has to be part of the story. Yeah. But, it's not all about, and like everyone said it, the guys are like, no, it really didn't affect the people in the field as much as you think, because as Holland were said, he's like, there's no replays yeah. back then. Yeah, so we didn't, we didn't know what happened. Wrote about that. The Marlins, especially sitting in there, although they would have had a better look at it than the Cubs would have. We're right, just like, okay, that's, that's, that's a strike. Really that's all they thought. Right. Of it, you know. Right, Ozzy's like, and they knew people were like stirring about, but Ozzy's like, he's the only one that really saw it. Yeah, because he was a third yeah, base. Third base coach. Yeah. Right. So they. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was, I mean, but like everyone's like, oh, no one talks about the error to the error, Alex Gonzalez error. Oh, that's like, a, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, like Kyle Farnsworth and you know, and and Matt Clement wouldn't know that because they don't live here. But everyone talks about that that error. But now, was it this season? On did you watch the Bear? You know that on I FX. There's an entire. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, it's like a monologue, right? Yeah, um, I can't think of the actor's name. The big guy, I like him. Sorry. I know I should have used that in my story, but I didn't. See he has it. a whole thing about how the every about Steve Bartman gets blamed for this, but it was all Alex Gonzalez's fault. There's an entire, there's like a five minute monologue about it. Maybe that's why Alex Gonzalez didn't call me that's back. Right. Yeah, over Platt. Maybe that's why Alex Gonzalez didn't call me back. I <laughs> just watched the fucking bear. Is that what you're calling about the bear? No, <laughs> no, uh, but kind of close. I want to talk about the O three. <laughs> But yeah, everyone's like, I like what Caro said. Where yeah, everyone else is like, oh no, he's a great shortstop. And Caro's like, he's not the best at getting to balls, yeah. but if he gets there, yeah. usually it's. Pretty and he got funny. there. He Caro still wanted to talk to somebody. Talked about how it, oh Gonzalez had told somebody about the weird spin on it, right? Yeah, it was Farnsworth. Yeah. And he said, I found a quote from him after that game. There wasn't a ton, but there was someone, an out of town writer, had a quote from him just saying like the ball had a weird spin yeah. on it. 
you know, now you can on Twitter or X or whatever it is, tread lightly when you go on there. But somebody has the that that ball and then Addison Russell fielding the double play grounder to win the pennant, and they're eerily similar, like their huh. body position, where they are on the field, um, and it's like, see what could have been. Well, here's here's what happens when it works. <laughs> They still would have had to. They would have been up 3-1, and they and Sweaty Joe Borowski would have had to have gotten the three outs in the ninth. But, you know. Hendry's like, yeah, we're not here to bury this guy. But, I mean, you make that play, we're up 3-0. Yeah. Well, he's on the team to make that play. I mean, I think he had he had two walk-offs that year, I think. That's all he did was he would hit a ninth-inning homer, and he would field the ball and strike out every other time. The other thing I remember about him, and I think about every time a player gets – Every time there's a player that gets hit by a pitch and the umpires don't believe it, it was in 04. He got hit in the forearm with a pitch, and the ump said it hit the bat. It wasn't anywhere near the bat, and he had to come out of the game. He broke his forearm. He broke his forearm getting hit by a pitch and didn't get to go to first base. I can't believe he was on the team the next year. Yeah, he was still there. How did people not run him out? Like, how was he not run out? Well, of he. I mean, there's a reason Nomar ended up. Right. Poor Bartman can't go out of his house, and this guy's fucking still playing every day. Yeah, he was still there. He didn't finish the season, but he was still there. No. He's part of the trade, right? Yeah. Well, I think he was, right? Was he? No. He got shipped somewhere. Montreal. He might have been gone to Montreal on that. I don't remember. Yeah. You have to look. That's a funny trade to listen to people retell that. Theo's told, Theo's told it to me from his perspective, Hendry from his perspective. Theo just saying, like, Hendry was like, dominating the call just like you know he was the tra- he was the conductor like yeah. okay you're getting this you're getting this yeah. you know Omar Manai is complaining about this or like you know it was uh that's a health trade yeah that's a great classic that that's the kind of stuff Jim Henry woke up in the morning you know yeah. woke up in the morning feels like that yeah so, and then I, um I read the Shaughnessy book about Terry Francona because you recommended it yeah. and there's that whole thing in there about how the Red Sox clubhouse was just like Nomar's got to go. Like, we right. just had it with this dude. And this idea, yeah. and I was, I bought into it like everybody else. I can't believe Theo was that ruthless. He would rip the heart of his team out and trade it. And, <laughs> and you're like, you look back, he's like, no. His team would have been more pissed if Nomar was still there the next day. Like, that that yeah. decision was not that hard. He was going to take crap in the media for it. But And, and you look back on it, and the, the, the smart move for the Cubs would have simply have been to trade it for Orlando Cabrera, who they were rumored to get forever that that's, summer Hendry said and I didn't put this in there but Hendry told me that yeah he said we were trying to get Cabrera because yeah. there was some extra stuff at the end we were talking about 04 and he's like we wanted Cabrera right that would have been no more hit that first season he just you know just didn't he wasn't like Theo knew as it turned out this young GM named Theo Epstein knew knew what yep. he was doing yeah he did um I was wondering did Baco talk about kind of a foreshadowing because I remember it there was a there was a game late a late in a game early in the 03 season where Baco went to catch a pop foul right next to the where the screen ended down by first base and a fan knocked the ball away from him trying to catch it a Cub fan knocked the ball away from him Cubs didn't end up losing but I remember being all like why can't fans keep their hands off the freaking ball and I was the first thing I thought of with the Bartman thing <laughs> was we yeah, did it again. And I wondered if I could probably even remember that, but I remember I to look it. in the audio. He might've, he had a pretty good memory. He might've mentioned that. I'd have to go through the, the audio files I have for all these, these guys. Though. I mean, 
should be like a should have been a serial pot. I'm surprised more people. I think Megan Wanamuro did a story, but more people didn't do the 20th anniversary. Everyone did the 10th anniversary. But another reason why I did it, you know, the 10th anniversary they hadn't won yet, so right. it was still the same old stuff. Yep. This I think there was a little more, you know, removed from it. Yeah, it's easier to it's easier right, to exactly. appreciate the good stuff that happened in 03 now. Right. Because the and, the stain is off of it because we actually finally got to see a team win a pennant and win a World Series and now you can look back at 03 without the, you know, that's as close as we're going to get crap. And I liked and I liked that when I found out from Clement that because I knew Pryor was at some game at a game, but that Wood invited Pryor, and Pryor threw out a pitch for the NLCS, I believe, but um, or the NLDS maybe. But he, the fact that Kerry specifically invited Clement and Kerry back for the World Series, I thought was a cool, yeah. cool anecdote. That just so they could all see it together, and like Kerry Wood talking about being on the talking about being in the parade and on the floats and just kind of. You know, he he, didn't, he he understood why everyone else was kind of melancholy about it, but the fact that he was the one guy that was still part of the team and part of the organization, yeah. he could at least appreciate it. Mark, He's part of the rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> did Mark talk about? Did have the Cubs ever offered to bring Marcus Giles out and let him run over him between first and second base to try to get even? <laughs> no, but he. I mean, that's definitely thinks was he thinks was a part of it. You know, because yeah, the, the story after he finally retired, they were talking about how a doctor told him that the, the shoulder, the, the like the healed part of his shoulder. They said, that's not that's from trauma. That's not yeah. from like overuse, although I don't want to let Dusty get off the hook because it was both. And it's and they all immediately thought that was from the Marcus Giles thing. And the fact he stayed in the game after that. I know like, what the hell and are then- you doing? That's the tr- you know, and that, we can blame Dusty for that. That's the trainer's fault, right? Yeah, you know, and that's the, like the player's going to want to stay in. The, the manager's job is to listen to the trainer, right? But I talked to Pryor, and I was going to use this, but they got bounced so quick from the playoffs. Like I was saving something for a Pryor story if they, you know, they advanced. Um, you know, and I, I was like, you know, you're on a different. It's interesting because you are on this different side of it now, right? You were a pitcher during that era. Now you're the pitching coach, and you have all this access to all this medical technology and all these like you know different techniques and whatever and like what's the difference between when you pitch now when you're a coach and he's like you know yeah it's a lot different we got a lot more but he goes guess what guys are still getting hurt and he's like really guys still get hurt like it's just a natural thing to throw a baseball i think it was probably i mean it was really he was really bitter for i think for a long time and then you know there's a story where he uh he just showed up in Dusty's office one day and Dusty sees him and he's got like a full beard and like Dusty, you know, convinced him to get into coaching, like to do something. Cause he was just kind of like, what should I do? You know, and he remember he tried to make a comeback with the Reds. Dusty gave him a chance and he was, he pitched triple A for them and it just didn't work out. And then I think Dusty wanted to coach immediately. And then he took some time and then, you know, went into it, I think with San Diego first and then, and then it turned into LA. So you know, he was he's in a really good place. I think it's, you know, it's pretty cool. He said sometimes his kids will go back and watch, you know, his old videos because it was really. I mean, that was the year that the only year you're going to find that in 04 where you'll find like these character, these Mark Pryor at his best kind of stuff. Can you imagine what Mark Pryor could have become if they had a pitch lab back then? I, I mean, I, I can't even can't even fathom it. <laughs> Would he have ever? Would he have ever lost a game? Probably not. 
God. But like this guy, yeah. I I will say this: the the guys to talk to if you want just funny old baseball stories are Eric Caros, Sean Estes, Baco, fantastic storyteller. But Caros is like you know an all time storyteller. Now you got to fact check a few things. Same with Estes's <laughs> memories a little is a little shaky sometimes. Estes I think is really like fun. I carry would had a great way to describe him, but like he's just like a quirky like funny guy. Um, those guys are all really good. St- some of, some of these guys are really good storytellers. Well, that's it. Uh, that's Kerry Wood's a great. Kerry Wood, it's, as it turns out, if you ask him about stuff besides his twenty strikeout game, he's yeah. got a lot to say. Like, yeah, I might be Dad the first would person. Never know what that's like, but you know, the rest of us yeah. maybe. I, I might, I'm, I might be the first person in Chicago to ever interview him at length and not ask him about the time he struck out twenty <laughs> yeah. people. Uh, the, there's great stuff in there about. Uh, Estes sitting in his car, pondering his no, imminent Estes. release, and Dusty walks by. No, it was the opposite. Estes was. Oh, walking Dusty by. was in his car, and Estes walked by. Yeah, yeah, and he heard somebody yell his name, Shawnee. And it was yeah, because earlier that day it was Hendrick. Uh, Hendrick McPhail came in Dusty's office like, "We got to get rid of this guy. Your guy, you brought in. He stinks." Um, yeah, and Dusty's like, "We'll give you one more chance." And he got lit up again. Yeah. And then so, he's like, "Then I'm going on paternity leave. Take your time." Dusty's like, take as much time as you need. <laughs> you're not, you're not, not going to be pitching again. And he watched out. Uh, what is it? What was his name? Uh, was it Juan Cruz? Yeah. Who's the, yeah, he said he watched him, and he said he's hoping he does well, but secretly hoping he gets lit up so he gets to start again. Pitched one game in relief. Didn't go that great. And then Dusty gave him that one start in Cincinnati, and it turned out that was that could be like – that could have – they might not – if they lose that game – you know, maybe they don't make the playoffs. Now they also scored like eight runs, yeah. so that helped. But he did pitch a shutout. The last game he pitched for the Cubs, and that's mostly what he's what Cub fans remember him for now is that. Yeah. Other than I God, I can't him. believe we're wasting another start on Sean Estes. But <laughs> right, right, he knew it. Um, and Karras had great stuff to say about living in Chicago and living by the ball. He thinks he was like he's like I think I was one of the first guys in the modern era to live by the park again because everyone lived downtown. Yeah. You know, and he was the guy that wanted to walk there. And then guys started doing that afterwards. Um, you know what's funny about Brian, Chris Bryant, because he's such a goof. He lived by Wrigley's last year before he got traded. And he told somebody, he said, wow, this is great. I didn't know it was so great over here. Like, yeah, genius. Why do you think <laughs> everyone else lives here? Except when you live in a stupid high rise downtown where it's like you can't walk anywhere. Yeah. There's nowhere, you know, like genius. Like you have the money. Like, do you see how happy everyone else is walking to work or riding their scooter or they're like, I think uh, Javi had like a slingshot. Yeah, I can imagine that. Javi was supposed to rent my friend's house that last season. Huh? He backed out the last second. Nah. Well, yeah, after the Cubs couldn't um, work out that extension with him, Javi probably couldn't afford right, it. Right, yeah. Sorry, right, I can't, exactly. can't live there. Uh, yeah. Um, and you think about Chris Bryant, and is there like a – I'd like to think there's like a second act, like – um, okay. I like to think there's like a second act where he gets healthy and the Colorado trades into a real team and then he gets to actually, you know, be productive again. But I don't know that's ever actually going to happen. He just can't you stay know, on the field. I know. We were laughing about, uh, uh, not to make fun of Matt Speaks, I like Speaks, but he had this tweet. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen was when uh, Kerry gave like, or Chris gave like a half a nod to Pete Crow Armstrong at first base. Like because oh, he made it, and he's like, yeah. and and, and he was like, I would, I would want ten thousand words on the meaning, the deeper meaning of that nod between these two. Mm. 
and we were like, <laughs> of us were like, someone said, someone said Chris is probably thinking to himself, I wonder what my wife's gonna make it make me and the kids dress up as for Halloween. <laughs> think about someone who cares, who could care less about deeper meanings than Chris Bryant. Is Spiegel trying to think it was like some kind of passing of the torch? What yeah. Also, like Armstrong's probably not that good. Yeah. Like I hope he's good, but he's not Chris Bryant good. No. Not even close. I mean, it's like a, it's like an insult to say. To com- it's it's real. It is an insult to compare him to Chris Bryant. It is. I know people don't like Chris now or whatever. Chris Bryant was amazing yes. when he played. Yep. Great hitter. Yeah, good defensive player. I mean, Pete Crow Armstrong. I hope he gets some. You know, I hope he learns how to hit somewhere. I know. If, uh, hitting a fastball would be good. And run the base. And how about run the bases? Maybe you can learn that too. Yeah, that's. I was joking, you know, after he'd been on a few times that I was hoping the first base coach just remind Pete, it's all left turns. <laughs> that's all you got to do. <laughs> Not that hard. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Brian, see, how quickly the prospect perverts turn on people, right? Yeah, right. Like Chris Bryant is the is like the the epitome of the hyped prospect who gets called up and is somehow better than the hype. Right. And has his peak was early in his career, but it was real and it was spectacular. And they win a World Series largely because he's so good. And then injuries start to pile up, and he underperforms, and it's like, ah, hey, I never thought he was that good. Right. <laughs> yes, you. Well, if you didn't, you're wrong because he was. Ugh. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't get it. So, how many pieces did you end up writing? You took all at three? Um, Because you have some, like, overflow. You, like, emptied the notebook a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to say, I'm going to do one more on Dusty, just on what people think of him. And I'm debating, and it's either going to be, does he lose and retire? Yeah. Or does he make it to another World Series? So I'm, I was kind of collating some of the Dusty quotes I had from guys. Because, you know, especially 20 years later, you're never going to find a guy that played for Dusty that doesn't like him. You know, he'd have to be a real, like... Is Dusty the perfect manager? Is he always no? Of course not. No one's perfect, but like those guys love Dusty. Yeah. And twenty years later, I think a lot of them really like appreciate him even more. Even a guy like Glenn Glanville's told these stories and he's put them in his book. But like you know, Glanville comes in. He's like Glanville's like I didn't really want to be there. Like people think I like wanted to be there because they're yeah. winning. He's like I was playing every day in Texas. It was yeah. great. He's like I'm coming here. I'm not playing. And he was like a pissy guy about it. And Dusty like said you always will respect Dusty for that. And he also told a funny story about being in that they had to play in Puerto Rico against the Expos. And he's like, he walks into some like club and Dusty's in the middle of the dance floor, like shaking it up. And he's like, usually a man, he's like, usually you leave and you see the manager somewhere. And Dusty's like, don't leave. Let's, yeah, let's dance. And I told Estes that story. He's like, that's just like any night you see Dusty. And he's like, that's not special. Well, <laughs> I mean, if Dusty had been born 20 years later or if uh, Dancing with the Stars was 20 years older. He'd have won it. He would have oh. finished second, like David Ross. Yeah. Dusty would have won Dancing with the Stars. A hundred percent. I mean, he just has such a great, like, I don't know. He's just so funny. He And he's happy when he sees, like, Sully and people like that. That's the, But you, the problem with Dusty and talking about the 0-3 season why I didn't get a ton from him is he just goes to – his mind immediately goes to 2006. Yeah. So you might ask him about how great 0-3 was, yeah. and they'll tell you how miserable he was in 06. So – yeah, that's just how how it is. Yeah. And um, so I'll have a dusty one coming up. 
you were saying you don't you can't find anybody that doesn't like playing for Dusty. I there's I think there's a segment of player. It would be the young player who was at the back end of the roster who couldn't play because Dusty had to play either Lenny <laughs> Harris or Tom Goodwin. <laughs> Got it. We're in the earn it business, kid. Like, well, they've earned a spot on the bench because they haven't been productive for eight years. How about I get a shot? No, that's not how it works. I got to bring Ramon yeah. Martinez over to get some games <laughs> in short. Why? He's one of my guys. Uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Dusty's legacy is completely different. If if they just get to the world, they didn't have to. Uh, they didn't have to win the World Series. It's funny though. You had a quote in there, and I've heard Kerry talk about it before about how he's it was you know you got Pryor on the mound, you got a three run lead, going to the World Series. I'm getting ready for the Yankees, and it's like. At the time, the Red Sox had the lead in that series. This was going to be the the matchup of the tortured right. series. I mean, this was before Grady Little Grady Little himself in Game Six, and then Aaron Boone. You know, so it's kind of funny right. to hear him say that. Like that's clearly a remembering it in hindsight, like, different than right. what it really was. Because the reality was that the AL series was. I mean, everybody at, everybody woke up that morning, and the Cubs were going to clinch that night and then the Red Sox were going to clinch the next night and we're going to have this dream world series. I remember as a fan being like, I don't want the Red Sox to get in because I want this all to be about the Cubs. I don't want them to have to split it. Right. It ended up, I had to wait 13 more years. So it was my own fault. Right. Like, like Estes saying to Jim Henry, like, yeah, I'm glad we lost. We can clinch this at home. Yeah. And Henry like, <laughs> and you know what Zimbrano told me, Zimbrano told me one of the young Latin pitchers, I think there's only one. So, um, when they were talking before game five to Luis Castillo, just on the field. So one of the young pitchers said to him like, you know, Hey, where are you going? You know, when's your plane leaving? Like, you know, tomorrow or something. Like what time are you leaving tomorrow? And he said, and Zimbrano said like someone yelled at the kid, like you don't say that type of stuff. Now, of course, that's not why they lost. They lost because Josh Beckett threw like a two hitter. Yes. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. And then the, it's funny how everything changed you know Doug the Cubs hit in game three that wild game three they had two pinch hit triples Doug Glanville and Tom Gooden both had them that's what Glanville would be remembered for instead you have to be a dork like me to remember that it ever happened okay well this was a lot of fun I'm glad we got to to deep on your research as the listeners are better for it there's plenty of time to we got we got months to talk about the oh, pending superstardom of Tyson Bajan. We don't need to, you know, exit here. I'm waiting for his dad. I'm waiting for his dad to email me back. The arm wrestling champion. Are you gonna challenge him? Are you gonna do like a stunt? <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a Mark Carmen to do it for Chuggo. <laughs> oh, they absolutely would. Except, you know, the flaw there. They don't have a table. What the hell are you supposed to put their elbows on? <laughs> Maybe that could get them to get the table. Yeah, that's gonna be the only thing I think that can make it happen. I'm going to go to the Hawks game this this uh, this Saturday, so maybe I'll see their their Hawks team uh, sitting there crying when they see uh, <laughs> see Connor Bedard on the ice at the Indian center. <laughs> and they're all sitting. He's the only I thing keeping the keeping us solvent. I hope I hope they all sit in the press box like their legs like in shorts, their legs spread. <laughs> they're ripping the count. They're ripping their part of the counter off. Don't <laughs> this. This is just how we sit now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you can put the computer on the on the on the counter. 
<laughs> yeah, they've actually got, they don't, and they have a desk, they don't even have a laptop to travel. They have a desktop computer on their lap, and they're trying to type. This is very cumbersome. You and I are the only two people that think this is funny, but uh, it does crack. That's nah, the best. I might, the jokes that amuse me are the ones I enjoy the most. All right. Well, thank right. you, John. All right. I'll talk to you later. Many of us have herpes.